0: Charles, do you mind opening us in prayer, man? have Charles pray for us as we get started.
1: Father, we bless this day, and we bless your time here, and we just thank that everyone is available, and we bless Dean for what he's to share and continue to walk with us today. In Christ's name, amen.
0: Thank you, buddy. And thank all of you last week for letting me uh, call an audible and um, extend the time of our, our guest speaking. So we... Uh, we do have about two weeks left in, in our current study. If you're just joining us, haven't been with us, uh, it's okay to, it's easy just to dive in. We're just looking at different texts of Scripture along the theme of what, is it, what does it look like to live spiritual life together, to practice life together in community. And we're dialoguing between Scripture and, uh, and a classic Christian book um, called Life Together. Uh, by the uh, great Christian martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So we're imagining that he's kind of sitting in the room. Uh, most are not reading the book, but we're imagining that he's sitting in the room with us, and he'll throw comments in. So good to see. You. He, we, he'll throw comments in as we uh, as we as we read through Scripture together. As we set up what we're talking about here, uh, I was thinking about the section that he finishes the book in. Uh, reminds me kind of of some things that I, I've got a, a buddy of mine that's using me as a guinea pig for his life coaching training. Uh, and It's been a real blessing for me to, uh, to, to learn uh, and grow deeper in my own walk and discernment. And, and one of the exercises he had me do recently is he said, I want you to think through some areas of your life or times in your life when you, you learned something and did something well. Some of us have to work harder to think about such moments, but he said, I want you to think about some of these things, and I remember one of the ones, you probably heard me talk about things like this in the past, but I remember when I first started coaching uh, football for my kids, and and I'd I played my whole life, I'd watched it my whole life, but when you go from kind of doing something to having to teach someone to do it, especially little kids, right? It, it's a whole different ball game. And, and I remember my, my good friend Steve, um, He he was a sports star back in high school, but also had been coaching for years. And I said, all right, Steve, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you give me some tips and pointers? And I'll never forget one of the first things he said. He said, the first practice you ever had have with your young players, he said, you know, you, you do what, what coaches will often do. And they'll say, take a knee. And you know, it looks like this, where you take, take a knee, you got one knee up, you got the other knee down. He said, have them take a knee. But he said, when you have them do that, say, don't just take any knee. Take the same knee as a team. So you decide. For us, it was the right knee. You take everybody, get on their right knee, and all the kids are looking up and like, "Why are you having us do this?" And he says, "What you know? Inevitably, one of the kids will ask this question: Why do you care which knee we're doing?" He said, "In that moment, you tell them from the beginning. I want you to know on the very first day, football, and really learning most of anything in life, but football is all about details." It's all about learning the details well. You don't just, by the way, you didn't ask for this, but the quick tip on why, if you want to tell if somebody's a horrible football coach, you will hear these words, block somebody. Horrible coaching. You don't block somebody, you block a person. You block number 14, you block the guy in this gap, you whatever. Football's all about details. So he said, why don't you start? In the first practice, and the first talk, and the first speech of the first day, having them pay attention to a detail that doesn't seem like it matters, so that later on they have trained themselves to pay attention to the details when they do matter. I thought, what a great idea! What a great idea! And I—I I checked, by the way, in my office. Right when you walk in the door, there's one of my favorite pictures: coaching our son first time, and they're all taking a knee. And sure enough, the guy right here on the left has got the wrong knee. So it doesn't, it doesn't always work. Doesn't always work. But here's what I I picture. This section of the book where Bonhoeffer is taking us to and obviously the places in scripture where we'll go, it's like the coach, Jesus, saying, now pay attention to some of these details. It may feel like taking your right knee, and you may not think it matters that much, but it has more significance than you might imagine. Does that make sense? All right, so uh, that's the picture of what we're doing. We'll talk about um, we're in the section of the book where he's talking about different ways we minister to each other, not just in the capital M, somebody who has the job, but how do we minister and serve uh, each other in life together? And I want to talk about these two uh, kind of taking a knee kind of ministries. So the sh- passage we're in, if you have your uh, devices or your Bibles, is in Colossians chapter 4. So in Colossians chapter 4, and this is kind of the, the detailed section of the book uh, where Paul is writing to the Colossian church. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 2 through 9. And you know what we do here. I'm going to read this. I've got notes. I've got things to share. We'll let Dietrich jump in here. But I want to hear what you have to say. And we've got uh, folks that are going to carry the mic to you. Colossians 4, verse 2. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should, Paul says. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. I want to read that first section again. What do we learn here about our responsibilities to each other in community? Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What do you hear here? Maybe a word or a phrase or something. What, what do you notice in this passage about... What our responsibilities are to each other in community you just you have more than one word you want to say that no seriously oh, keith's got a mic praying for each other now listen to that the he doesn't just say kind of think of a prayer every now and then devote yourselves to prayer be consistent in your passion and your devotion to bring something into the presence of God. And in this case, he's not talking about kind of the prayers for ourselves. He specifically goes on to say, pray for me, pray for God's open door and all of that. Yeah. What else do you notice? Uh, Dean, uh,
2: prayer that's intentional about being watchful and thankful.
0: Yes, yes, yes. We all know that we've talked about this several times before, I'll use this quote again I've heard many 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 times fear and gratitude can't live in the same space you struggle with fear like I do fear and gratitude can't live in the same space when I let fear and anxiety and and worry and all of that occupy headspace too much an invitation we have in scripture and in the, the life wisdom of people is turn that to a grateful heart and all of a sudden it starts clearing out doesn't make everything go away but it starts clearing out some of the crippling and toxic fear they can paralyze us sometimes thank you Thank you. beautiful dean this is excellent advice uh for evangelism yes um so starting off with prayer but then the anticipation yes. that god's going to open a door yes and and you're praying that that door will be open so that you can tell people about jesus and then once you see that door open pray that you can proclaim it clearly oh isn't that beautiful yes yes and thank you, leave it to our shepherd to take us where, you know, I'm thinking, I'll take it anywhere, is fine, but this is kind of one of the reasons I came to this. Whose responsibility is it, according to this text, to be the evangelist, to be the teller of the good news? All of us. It's not just the apostle. He does say, pray that I can proclaim the message clearly, but then he goes on to give instructions about how, who talks? all of us in our conversation. This dovetails so beautifully with what Nikki was talking about this morning. So let me tell you where the section is, why I came to this passage is because Bonhoeffer is ending the book by talking about, we've talked about ministry of service to each other, we've talked about the ministry of holding our tongue, right, of of not saying the wrong thing, and then he turns to the, he calls it the ministry of proclamation. Now I want to be careful about that because I can say it in certain ways that we think it's the job of the person who stands right here. He is not saying that. Now, we do know that, that the, his Life Together community was a lot of aspiring preachers, but he makes it very clear he's not talking about the job of the preacher to proclaim. He's talking about the job of every follower of Jesus in some way or another to be telling in life and words the good news about Jesus. And he'll give us some wisdom on how to Practice the ministry of telling the good news. Literally, this passage is an application of what Nikki set everything up this morning. We are ones who offer the invitation to follow Jesus. And he gives us some specific advice on that. So, so think about this. If you're like me, sometimes I can read these and I'm checking off little to-do lists to be a Christian or whatever. Oh, I gotta pray, I gotta tell a story. No, hold on. These things are integrated. So he's saying there is a kind of prayer that is tied into telling the great invitation, telling the good news. He's saying, I'm not talking about general prayer here. He's saying, notice what he says, pray that God might open a door for the message. Now, I don't understand how all of this works. In fact, there's entire divisions in Christianity based on Calvinism and Arminianism and all. I don't care about any of those debates. Here's all I know, is that there is a beautiful divine interchange between the initiation of God and the work of God and the faithfulness of his people that brings somebody to Jesus, right? I am not going to debate who does it or where or who, is there some predestination or all that? Who cares? Here's the thing, God's working, nobody comes to Jesus without God's initiation. And God says, I am relying on you and your choices and your wisdom and your creativity and your personality and your experience to be part of the invitation process. Isn't that cool? So think about this. Paul is an apostle. He has all these gifts, but he says, pray for an open door for the message. You can keep your finger here. We'll come back. But but, uh, when I think about this, I think about an experience he had on one of his missionary journeys in Acts 16. This is one of those places, again, I love the way Nikki said this. Sometimes I'll cruise through the Bible and I'll miss like really important nuggets in there. Acts 16, verse 13. Um, The church that we know is the church at Philippi. There's a whole book of the Bible about them. It started here. So this is the planting of the church moment. And Paul's popping in there Um, in in, uh, Acts 16, verse 11. It says he went out looking for a synagogue. There weren't enough men. There's a certain number of men required to have a synagogue. But you faithful women said, well, we're not waiting around for the men. So they had a prayer group of ladies. Paul says, great, I'm going to go and I'm going to give the gospel to the ladies. Now look at verse 13, Acts 16, 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. There weren't guys doing it, but the ladies said, we're going to go pray. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. Lydia. A dealer in purple cloth, pause, that means a lady rich. Okay, purple cloth back then, very, very wealthy commodity, okay, you got it from certain fish or whatever, I don't know, there were certain dyes that it took, not just anybody can go get something purple. Uh, She ends up being the one who is probably the host of the church in Philippi, it's her house, they mean it. She was a worshiper of God, again, pause, technical term back then, she was a God-fearer, they called it. Uh, the first one we get introduced to is cornelius earlier on in the book these are people that in the era of of uh, kind of stricter separation of things you were a jewish you were either a jew or you kind of were outside of the family of god it felt that way we know god was doing his thing but there were certain people that said we're not jewish we're gentile but we want to follow the ways of yahweh and so they they're called god fearers and they follow the jewish customs and laws they love god they worship god they worship yahweh but they weren't fully in until God did all of his stuff and woke up the church, honestly. God was cool with it, but, um, and that's what happens earlier on. So she is one of those people. She's a Gentile follower of the Jewish God and the biblical God of Jesus. Pick it back up. Listen to this. This is the thing. Don't rush past. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, which she was scared about, because back then people wouldn't because she was Gentile, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. That was the beginning of the Philippian church. Do you catch that line? She's already worshiping Yahweh. She's already doing all of that. Paul is going out, and he's sharing the gospel but some, I don't understand this. I don't know how it all works out. I'm just trying to follow the dictates of the Holy Spirit, but he says the Lord had to open her heart. Even though she's already worshiped Yahweh, God had to do something for her to, to hear it, maybe, to respond to it. I love the Wesleyan tradition. They call it prevenient grace. Isn't that cool? Before the grace of salvation, there is the grace of God who comes and invites you in. Gives you the ears to at least hear the invitation. Isn't that beautiful? Prevenient. Before you get the full thing, God's already working. Don't say, I found God. <laughs> in other words, you didn't find nothing. God found us. God opened our hearts. God was working before we even heard the thing. When we're born, God is working. God is working. God is working. And this a beautiful picture? Um, that's why. Like, Paul experienced that. You see that we think that the, whole, the, the apostles had everything mapped out and all that stuff. No, look, I, I was going expecting to find a synagogue. There's no synagogue there. There's a bunch of ladies praying. Let's tell the story there. And God opened her heart. And then the Philippian church happened in ways he never planned. What if we committed, like, yes, let's take the message Nikki said. Let's go out there and do that. But let me, let me suggest, before we go and tell the story to anybody, can we ask God to open hearts? Can we just, tr- I don't know what all that means. I don't get all that stuff. Now, here's a specific example, you know how much I I talk a lot about the Discovery Bible study that I use and the Reeves use, you guys just did that on Wednesday night, the place I learned it primarily from is a guy named Shadonka Johnson, the Holy Spirit is just working through this man, it's not about him, he's literally, like people don't even know who he is, but guy all over Africa, but here's my favorite thing, and every time people ask him, what's your approach, what's your method, all that stuff, you know, all the ministers are there waiting for the plan, they're waiting for the process, waiting for the, the DBS method, all that kind of stuff, And he said, if you give me the opportunity to talk, he will spend the entire time talking about fasting and praying. (laughs) He said, this is what we, listen, this is, I'm not saying you got to do all this, but take the principle to it. He said, we never go to a place until the prayer team tells us it's, we're ready. So we're going to blank or whatever. You might think, oh, well, that's Hocus Pocus. Well, listen, they're, they're working in a place where you will get killed. He's had machetes to his neck. He's had guns to his head because the Muslims in that area, and I'm not saying they're all this way, but in that area, they will kill you for talking about Jesus. And so they have prayer cover before they go anywhere. So they say, we're feeling a sense that we need to go to, to this village. Would you pray on it? And they pray on it. And when the prayer folks come back and say, you're ready, they go. Um, they do that over every area. They pray at the every—I keep getting picked on for signing up for the last day of the month. I got that from Shadanka. Like, he, pray, he prays and fasts at the end of every month for God to open up the mission of the next month. And at the end of the year, they pray for a week or something like that. Maybe it's more than that, for the new year. They're, and I'm, it's not like a little magic mantra. It's not a little talisman. They just really trust— Whatever the Bible's talking about here, the God's going to open things up, and then they faithfully step into what God's stirring up in hearts. I just think that's really powerful. Yes. Let, let me, I, I, I love when you talk, so I want everybody here. You too, Miss Nancy. If you'd said more one word, I would have got it to you.
1: It makes me think of, guys, when, remember, it's, it's always been that way. I think sometimes we just forget, as you said, Dean, Because remember when David, would, before he did those great mighty battles, he always consulted. He always consulted, Father God, do we go up against these people? And he always got his answer. I think we forget, and I'm so glad you brought that up. That's a very important thing that we need to remember. Let's consult Father. Father, what do you want us to do? And I know you're probably going to get there, but in so many of Paul's uh, uh, missions, you know, there were times when Holy Spirit said... No, right. Don't go there. Yes, and we need to be listening.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. In this Colossians four, the very the order that
2: Colossians four is in, it's not speech first. Speech comes last. It's prayer first, then actions. People will see your actions, and your speech will determine what the message is and how it's received.
0: Yes, and it is a both and. By the way, I know I'll, I'll make some people mad because some of it's y'all's favorite quote. But some people say that Francis said, preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. He did not say that. So I'm sorry to take that away from you. He did not say that. Um, I would say both, right? Preach with your life. But I love what you said. Maybe the order really matters. We pray, we live, and then we speak. And I, I think that's... That's often what happened, like Jesus, even in the story, like he, if, you, if you've seen the shows, like he's doing all sorts of stuff. Matthew is prepared for it. It wasn't random. All the people who followed Jesus, there was something happening. They saw Jesus. They heard about Jesus. He'd worked like the Lord opened their heart, sometimes from whatever God was doing. Sometimes the Lord will open our hearts because terrible things happen in our lives. Isn't that right? We know that it doesn't have to be hocus pocus. Sometimes the Lord allows us to see our powerlessness about what is most important to us in life. Right? He lets us see that. Oh, I guess I need more than me. Right? Sometimes the Lord opens it from the delightful human being. Again, I love you guys so much. Your daughter is so amazing. Is Nikki's parents? We don't know. So she gets it honestly. Right? But there's certain people that are so delightful in God. They're not perfect human beings, but it just overflows in our life. And so some people are intrigued. Like, there's something different about you. Why, when everybody else is, like, flying off the handle and, and yelling at people and causing divisions, why, in the middle of COVID, are you delightful? <laughs> and that may be the way the Lord, op- right? You see what I'm saying? I love what you said, Bobby. It's so beautiful. This. Let's pray. And what if we had this kind of anticipation We're in this beautiful dance with God. Like, he's always doing something in the world. So, again, I don't think it's like, God, would you make this happen here? Make this. That's why the prayer Jesus taught us to pray is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the the idea of prayer often is aligning my heart with where God is already going, not forcing God to do something for me.
2: Yeah. That is so strange. You just said that. This morning, I woke up. God woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning.
0: Amen, sister.
2: All my heart (laughs) was loud and clear, not audible, audible, but it was in my heart. Simple. Go back to simple. Keith and I have been part of this new, I mean not new, we are new to the prayer ministry Mm -hmm. here. And it has really been um, stirring a lot of things. Um, with praying for me and for him. But it just hit me so hard this morning, and I had opened and went right to the Lord's Prayer. Mm. And then it just went to the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. And then to the Gospels. And I couldn't stop listening to it this morning. It was just over and over, and it was a beautiful thing. Yes. So it he, he does speak to us. Beautiful. he thank absolutely you. does yes. and he opens our heart yep. you know we don't know what yes. to do yep but he does yes and he just equips us with his word
0: beautifully said Kimberly. yeah thank you and again jeff and i like keep patting each other back for the, the way that we love liturgy and what the church has taught us about prayer pray any way you want to and use the lord's prayer like this recent season of my life i think i've told you just the simple app that we use invites us to stop at every line in the Lord's prayer, and then, like, personalize that. And, and one of my favorite things I've been doing recently, I don't do it every day, I'm not like, perfect, but, um, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Tell him why you're hallowing his name. Like, so today, I'm just, couldn't you tell there was just an excitement? We're all fired up to be together. It just feels like it's opened up more. So, I mean, it just, I naturally went to, God, you're the God of community. I praise your name for being the God who draws people together in you. And, I don't know, it just it's a it's a, like he's taught us to pray but if we if we did what bobby's saying like before we going and acting and living what if what if you just take that line your your kingdom come and your will be done on earth where on earth tell him where in my kids hearts how would your kingdom come your passion your desire your the, your vision of success come in my kids hearts or in this community or in this church or in, you know right it's a simple prayer that can become more personal than just me rushing through it. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, you also brought out, again, Bobby, you're leading us today. So I love, I love the way he describes this. The greatest witness, I say this again and again, sometimes the greatest witness the church can be in today's world is to not be a jerk, unfortunately. To be different than the way people expect Christians to be. Let's, let's read that part of the passage again. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. People who aren't in the story yet, not outsiders in the sense that we're better than them. Hear me? We can misread some of these. Those who are, they're not inside the story. They don't know Jesus yet. Be wise in the way you walk, uh, you act. Sorry, the Greek walk uh, towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity to interact with another person. How? Let your conversation be full of grace full of grace seasoned with does our our conversation with people that don't know Jesus taste good or do we live our lives in relation to the world around us in ways that leave people with a sour taste inside of us is the first interaction that people who don't know Jesus with us is all the things that we think are morally wrong in their life or morally wrong in the culture or how they're getting it wrong that doesn't taste good And I'm not saying you water down the gospel message, but Jesus didn't start that way. His life tasted good. It was full of grace. And and we make that that a stained glass word. That word means gift, gift. Uh, Is our speech and our conversation a gift to the people around us or not? That may be one of the ways that God answers the prayer to open the door. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like the way you talk and the way you live is graceful. Where did that come from? I am a good person to testify. It ain't natural to me. <laughs> right? I married someone for whom graceful is natural. I am not that way. So if you see something good, it's coming from the Father. Right? Came that way. And it opens up a door of conversation. Isn't this a beautiful picture of what it looks like to live the ministry of proclamation by our lips? This is coming from the liturgical prayer, by the way. I didn't make it. With our lips and with our lives, with our lips and with our lives, grace is pouring out. Wouldn't that just be beautiful? Other thoughts on this part of the passage. Charles, I'm going to prime you for something. I even wrote in my notes. I remember in early COVID you talked about something beautiful that was happening in your community, right? So here's the picture, um, and I'll let Charles tell something. If You remember what we talked about in DBS time, but what I picture here, and I hear this from a lot of folks that are doing like missional communities and all that stuff, is living out a unique life in proximity to other people that don't know Jesus in such a way it provokes conversation. Like, if you live like Jesus, people will say, book of Acts, man, they took note that this dude's been with Jesus. He's different, right? You live life in some different ways. Um, And I remember reading a book of this guy in Colorado. He was just trying, you know, he moved to a place in the inner city. He's just trying to live out the gospel. And I'm I'm not trying to be controversial. I don't think it's much here in this church, but like the way he got to know his neighbor is his neighbor brewed beer. So he went over and brewed beer with him, right? He wasn't getting drunk, but he brewed beer with him, right? And they... They lived life together, and so that happened over the course of time, and then eventually the neighbor next door came to him when there was a time of crisis, because he knew there was something different about this guy's life. Not because he threw Bibles at him, or invited him to a DBS right away, but he brewed beer with him. (laughs) He was in proximity, and his life looked different, there was a place to go. Now, it's not quite the same thing, but I remember, i I never forget the day, um, like they stole y'all's car, right? (laughs) Do you remember? Yes, you remember. So the English, some it's early COVID. They stole their car, and I'll never forget this. Bill and I both asked almost at the same time, "What what do you need?" And you said nothing. You remember this? Can you tell why? Did I give you enough of a prompt to tell why? Do you remember your neighbors? Like this beautiful thing that happened. People often do this. Like I really listen to what people say. Sometimes not my wife always. I'm trying, but but like if you don't remember, I'll just remember for you some things you said. But
1: I don't specifically. It, It was a blurry day.
0: Like, what happened after your, in your neighbors? Like, what did neighbors do, like, after your car was stolen? Do you remember this? She might remember.
1: <laughs> they came out. I mean, every single one of them came yeah. out. And it, yeah. literally asked me what we needed. Right. And I was offered cars all the way down the road. And previous to you I said, I mean, our neighbors have stepped up. And, yeah. and it was interesting, like I said, because it wasn't, it was unexpected a little bit because you're kind of like, really? Like you, I don't, okay, yeah. you know, but it was definitely a, um, a really cool moment where the, the idea of the car being gone wasn't a big deal. Yeah.
0: Oh, it? she's got something.
1: <laughs> yes, and so dinner arrived on our porch that night from yes. our neighborhood. Yes. They gathered funds, and dinner showed up on our front porch
0: yeah. It was so cool. Like you didn't need the church's help because the church was already there because yes. these people know Jesus, right? Yes. And this is the thing Charles yes. said. I don't know if you remember saying this, but I'll never forget it. He said, one of the beautiful things about COVID, it was, it was something like this, if you remember better than I do. It was like the, the walls that had divided us as Christians were beginning to melt away yeah, and exactly. the community, yep. Oh gosh, I just, right? Yeah, we, we real, we it was had, becau- like the church was yes, there, right? It was there
1: and it, was, and it, and it remained and it's, you know, back two weeks ago yeah. here, yeah. but nothing left because it was all we didn't know how much of it was around us until COVID yeah. and then we went oh it's it's all here yes. and we formed relationships with people in a neighborhood that we never would have yeah. across denominations, backgrounds, everything it, it didn't yeah. matter
0: at that point yes. um, it was cool let your conversation be full of grace seasoned with salt God opens door, like, that's not just COVID. It's like all the time. And we locate him and we put box the Holy Spirit in. And this is God time. And, you know, then we go and the barbecue. No, like you taught me that. That was my first lesson in COVID. I've had many and I hate them. I'm done with it. But that was beautiful. Like, I'm so glad you're here, brother. Like, it's like, you're right here in my notes. I'm like, he's right here. It's even better. Isn't that beautiful? Like, there is something gloriously attractive. So hear me. When, go back to this, when Bonhoeffer says, we practice together the ministry of proclamation, are you now feeling, we're not talking about standing right here, that's fine, that's going to happen, you experienced the ministry of the proclamation of the body of Christ, declaring hope, and life, and grace, and community, and provision, and there wasn't a sermon, <laughs> but it was better than a sermon, Right? we get to do this that's what Nikki was saying isn't this glorious we get to do this I'm looking at the next ministers the fourth avenue church of Christ yes and we'll get someone that will lead us and yet it's here right that's a ministry we get to give um one more thing here are we doing our time let's let Bonhoeffer share here he talked about these three previous ministries again like Bobby said These things open the door for the speaking part. This is what he says. Where the ministry of listening, what we talked about before, active helpfulness. And remember that whole conversation, bearing with one another. Let me say that again. Where the ministry of listening, active helpfulness, and bearing with others is faithfully performed. Then the ultimate and highest service can be rendered, namely the ministry of the word of God. If we are living in this community where we're practicing blessing each other, putting up with each other, that is, again, for me, the biggest takeaway of this book. That's a ministry to bear with and put up with each other, actively help, listen to each other. Then it opens up the door for us to send, speak the word of God for each other. Let me, I've already said this, but um, uh, let me say again, it's not just the job of the preacher. By the way, it's not just Bonhoeffer that says this. Do you notice how Paul did that in the text that's why I included like he's telling stuff and then it seems like I included like housekeeping stuff in this he says do this live this life you're proclaiming the gospel you're doing all this kind of stuff well who does it for him Paul can't he's in jail so who does it for Paul you can say it do you name well you, maybe you can if you're like me I hate the names Tychicus and Onesimus my favorite one is Onesimus anybody know about this guy there's a book of the Bible about him. We just don't know it that way because they, they don't give it his name. Yes, the book of Philemon is about Onesimus. There's most of the letters in the New Testament written to whole churches. We have, we have one that's written to a guy, a guy named Philemon, who is a former slave owner, as best as we can tell what happens from the letter. And Paul writes Philemon, a little one-chapter book, to basically say, it's really it's a beautiful work in pastoral ministry. It's a beautiful work in... in, um, in inviting something, somebody to do something instead of commanding. Paul basically says, I'm an apostle, you owe me your life. It's so funny how he says, you owe me your life in Christ, I brought you to Jesus, so I could command you, but I'm not going to command you. Take this Anesimus back, I'm inviting you to do this. And so, uh, my favorite way that I've heard this described is imagine when they're going, because remember, they, they don't email stuff, they don't, you know, post office, people hand delivered this, so you picture what happened, Paul's in jail, he writes not one letter, but two, and I've Again, this is kind of faithful imagination, but someone said, imagine Paul comes, I mean, uh, uh, Onesimus and Tychicus come, they come, and they have in their pocket two letters, two scrolls. Scroll number one is the book of Colossians, and they read that. By the way, there's a section in Colossians that talks about how masters should treat their slaves. So that's kind of the lecture, and then you get the lab, right? So, how do you, you know, basically, we're all, we're all slaves to the master, Jesus, right? And so you treat each other as a brother and all that kind of stuff, and so you read that, and, and I love this, just kind of playfully think about this. I imagine if all we had was Colossians, they'd be sitting having, they would have the, we got the mask and no mask section, they would have the slave and no slave section, right? They literally would. Like, what did Paul mean by this? Is he ending slavery or not? And people like debated and they pulled text out of context and all that kind of stuff. If all you had was the book of Colossians, you wouldn't know. But what's cool is after they're all debating a little bit, then imagine him pulling out the book of Philemon. It says, by the way, take this guy back, not as a slave, but as a brother. So we're supposed to hear the gospel and then actually apply it in everyday life in places that might cost us a lot and be really difficult in human relations. Yes. Isn't that really cool? Now what he does here, this is good. You know, we talked about coaching analogies. Best coach will get players in the game, will get other people into the game. Paul says two things. First of all, I'm doing this ministry, but he said, first of all, can all 'all, y'all, it's that in the Greek, all y'all, pray for me to open the door. So all of a sudden, we're all on the same team. And by the way, Onesimus is going to come, and he's going to start telling the story. So this guy, who's a former slave, a runaway slave, who has to have a letter of recommendation from an apostle to even come back home, is now the one, can you imagine this? He's the apostolic representative to the church he's going back to as a former slave. Isn't that awesome? I mean, isn't that awesome? So not only is he coming back to be kind of received as a brother, he's coming back as Paul's right hand. (laughs) man, And he brings him in this awesome. It's not just the job of an apostle. The former slave gets to stand on center stage in this place. It's not just the job of a preacher, or a shepherd, or an elder, or a deacon, or whatever title you call them. All of us are invited into the ministry of telling someone else the word of God. And then I want to kind of wrap up with this. Also understand, it's easy to think about, and I've I've kind of aimed some of it this way. It's easy to think about our ministry of proclamation to people who don't know Jesus, and Paul is talking about some of that. But I want to remind us again, 1 Corinthians um 12 and then again in 14 that a major work of our our spiritual community is to speak prophetically to each other and if that freaks you out let me define it for you and it won't be freaky to you paul defines it this way to speak words of strength encouragement and comfort that's why i love nancy boffman says you can remember it with sec we're sec country so let's be sec not about football let's be about spirituality speak words of strength encouragement and comfort to each other part of our job is to speak the word of God to people in our community, our spiritual community, of strength, encouragement, and comfort. I this isn't this is off script. But I'm looking at a man who did that for me a few weeks ago. In just a moment, I was scared about something, I was misreading something, you know, on my medical reports and all that and other things to happen, and I sat down next to my brother Ken. And in five minutes, in the middle of a crowded room. Breathe life. He spoke strength and encouragement and comfort. You may not think you're a prophet, but you were prophetic in that moment. That's a ministry we get to do for each other every time we walk in in the room. Don't, please, I'm speaking to myself, don't come into the room and say, what has the preacher got for me? What song is going to be sung for me? Yes, that will happen. What word of strength, encouragement, and comfort does God give you for someone else in this body? It's your job, not his. Does that make sense? So let's let Heifer have the almost last word. What we are concerned about here, we're wrapping up, is the free communication of the word from person to person, not the ordained ministry bound to a particular pastoral office, time or place. It is a matter of that unique situation In which one person bears witness in human words to another person regarding the comfort, the admonition, the kindness, and sometimes, yes, the firmness of God every one of us has the opportunity in unique moments of life to speak God's word to someone else. And you might be quoting scripture. You might not. It may be a word that God places on your heart. It may be just looking at like today. I just love you, Charles. And I love that you instructed me. You were my pastor in early COVID. I needed that word and we speak it to each other, right? We do that. Do it with power and gusto and boldness. You are ordained ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ to speak these words over each other. So I will end with this, Paul's words. First, uh, sorry, Philemon from that great book, Philemon. This is from the old NIV translation. It brings it out in a way that I haven't heard anywhere else. Why do we, isn't it wonderful when God gives us an opportunity, I used to think commands were something I had to like slave my way through so that one day I might get heaven. (laughs) He says, I pray that you may, Philemon 1 6, or 6, there is no chapter 2. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? Listen to this. So that you, the other person? No. So that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Let me read that one more time. I pray that you might be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Did you know? You may not know how good you've got it in Jesus until you tell somebody else about it. I don't witness to other people just to get them to understand something they don't have. I share it with other people so I understand what I have. Isn't that cool? What a beautiful passage. What a beautiful passage. Practice the ministry of sharing the word of God and strength, encouragement, and comfort with other people in the body of Christ and tasting good to those outside of Jesus. Father God, thank you so much for the gift of being in a community. We're, we get to practice this. I have failed miserably. I've, I've failed by not speaking at times and Misusing the not words of Francis to just try to live people into the kingdom. And then there have been times I've spoken the wrong words, the destructive words, and judgmental words. And yet, Father, you keep, you keep not making it dependent on us at all. It's you that opens the heart. It's you the one that speaks the message. And you are the message. And yet, somehow, you invite us into the dance. And I thank you for every person in this community who so powerfully speaks the, the gospel to me week in and week out in this community. And Father, lastly, I do pray that you open the hearts of the people in our sphere of influence to hear the message that you would put on our lives and hearts to share with other people with our lips and in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Love you all.